Hey, welcome back to Conversations in the Round. Uh, Happy New Year. Uh, It's January 3rd, and on the 10th, we are back to sort of norm. I shouldn't even use that word, norm. Not really back to norm. We'll be doing live streaming again, uh, worship in the round, church in the round, and a little bit of in-gathering if you're into that space on January 10th. But for this week, Conversation in the Round, got Nick and Kevin and... uh, Chris, this guy again. That's our, our executive pastor. Right. I'm going to toss it over to him, and he's going to introduce these guys a little better than that. But I just wanted to welcome you to the space. Thanks for being with us, Chris. Yes. Um, thanks for having me again. Uh, I'll start with Nick only because you've you might have seen Kevin before in some previous conversations we had, not the conversations around, but in some other yeah, spaces he's for us. But uh, this is Nick Nye over here. Um, we were just commenting on how well kept his beard is, and as it turns out, he doesn't use any product, which all natural, you know, makes, makes me feel somewhat hopeless for my own beard, which wants to grow out of my face. I use a ton of product. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not adding any value to this conversation at this moment, so I'll move on. Uh, so Nick, uh, for those of you that might recognize him, uh, once upon a time, he was the founding pastor of Veritas Community Church here in Columbus, and then God called him to New York for a, a little bit, and then God called him back to Columbus, and he now serves with the Catalyst uh, team and, and is involved in the For Columbus Movement effort. Um, current title is Director of City Initiatives, and uh, so he sits in the same space with um, Kevin Dudley here, sometimes known as Dr. Dudley, sometimes known as Reverend Dudley. Um, but he but likes he, Kevin. He likes, but he likes Kevin, so uh, today we'll just refer to him as Kevin, um, uh, or Oh Smart One, or something like that. <laughs> it's um, great to have you guys. But uh, yeah, we, we're inviting them to this space because we know that they sit uh, in a space in which they have a broader view of the city, and uh, they're answering a, a call from God to, to stay in that space and to help the church engage that space and the marketplace engage that space great work. And, the, and the parachurch and great seeking great to great facilitate uh, relationships and partnerships and efforts and, and all kinds of good stuff. So um, thank you for being here. Thank you for your voice. Uh, I know this is just uh, for you. It's it's a it's another chance to have dialogue with us. Mm-hmm. And and Nick, this will be the first yeah, of hopefully good. many opportunities to speak with us. And so thanks for being here. Did I did I tell you? Like I don't know if I texted you or not. Like someone asked me if I was the pastor of Vitas Church. <laughs> and <laughs> Vitas. you said yes, right? I was like, I think that might be a combination of Veritas and Vista. Oh, it was like commonplace. People, people would wonder, wait, is, this, is that... Vista? Where is, is that North? <laughs> this guy or? just put it together. Are you a pastor of Vitas Church? I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, those days are behind us. Yep. Now we, we have some distinctions. But um, uh, we have some questions in front of you. Uh, these questions are meant to facilitate this dialogue. Uh, but uh, here's what I ask of you guys. Um, I know that each of you, uh, of course I'm talking to you uh, too, Mike, each of you are leaders, and so oftentimes uh, the hat that you're wearing is that of a leader, so you speak as one, and so, uh, you know, no surprises there, we're going we're gonna to hear from leaders today. Uh, but these questions are also meant to be personal, mm. um, so feel free to respond personally. 
there's no wrong answers here. Uh, like, like so many of us, we are figuring out what, uh, what this year has been about and what it means to head into 2021, which is what we'll mostly be talking about. So we're figuring this, this stuff out with you. So um, any insights you have, uh, any impressions you have, whether they feel finished or not, put them on the table yeah. because I know somebody out there would appreciate hearing it. Fair enough? Fair enough. Sounds All great. Right. So I'm just going to start with this first question, and then we'll see where the Lord takes this conversation. Um, Nick, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, with 2020 in the backdrop uh, and setting the stage for heading into 2021, and by the time folks are seeing this, we, we have just started 2021, uh, what are some of the biggest or broadest issues uh, from your perspective that you, you saw the church engage with and have to further engage going into 2021 or some societal issues that are setting the stage for 2021 that we need to make sure we're sensitive to, cultural issues? What are the things that come to mind that, that as we head into this, this new year that we as, as uh, voices and uh, leaders in the church landscape need to make sure we stay engaged with? I think the, uh, the church, like the, there's, there's just two big visions that are going on in the church and in society that uh, the church is being pushed into. These two tensions, you could say, you know, we've seen it come out all year long. Blue lives matter, black lives matter, vaccine, no vaccine, mask, no mask. You could go on all day with sort of these tensions. And I think the church and it has been pushed into those spaces that society has created. And I think that's going to just continue in 2021, where there's just going to be a continuation of those kinds of conversation and those kinds of tensions. And I think uh, really that this, this could be a, a make it or break it year. That sounds a little maybe doomsday-y. But it's a, it could be a make it or break it year where people um, choose for themselves, like, no, we're not going to be pushed to the, the, the edges. We're not going to be pushed to the tension points. We're going to live in the tension, and we're going to embrace that space, and we are actually going to um, be so conv- convicted about who Jesus is and what he has for us and in his way that I think um, that's where, really, I think a lot of the societal and cultural issues that, that are going to be pushing in, that's where really it's going to make us stand strong. And so my hope is that, that we resist the being pushed away and, and, and embrace the tension. But I think it's still going to be there in 2021, even, probably even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin, uh, Nick just said something that, that really caught my attention. He was talking about uh, being the, the church being pushed by society, am I getting that right? Mm-hmm. Pushed by society into spaces, uh, into these areas of tension. And there's something about that that feels kind of backwards or upside down to me. Um, how, did, how did you receive what he just said? What, is it, what does that spark for you? Yeah, <clears throat> I would actually agree at one level and I think that one of the challenges is society is us, right? And whether we like it or not, whether we're willing to admit it or not, the polarization that's happening, it's not as though the culture is something other than who we've been as the church. Mm. So I think we have to be aware that that polarity that exists and that is increasingly 
becoming so much a part of our lives. We have to own that. And, you know, it's not a them or us, but this is us. Part of what I, I think we need to be thinking about, too, is that we're facing an identity crisis. Um, I'm not sure that we really know who we are. And, and more than that, I guess I want to raise the question, who is we and which we? Right? Mm. And all of that, I think, is going to come to bear uh, in this new year. We have to come to grips with who we really are and then decide who we will be. Do you, do you think that like some of that tension, that, that we identity problem, comes from because Christians in America have kind of felt this seated power that yes. we have had. We have the moral authority. We have, you know, the voting block and, and such and such. And all of that feels like very eroded and very and d- different now where everybody's not, nobody's really sure who the we is anymore. That's right. We've mm-hmm. made some great assumptions um, and, and you're right, it's, it comes from a place of privilege, of power. We make assumptions of what is the norm, and the expectation is that everybody else should assimilate, conform to our unchecked assumption that our norm is the truth and is the reality. And all of that is being thrown into the mix, into the pot now, and people are wrestling. And, and more than that, I think people are less willing to put up with that especially those who've been on the margins. So uh, we're going to have to unpack all of this. So, but before we start just getting into the layers of what you're talking about, Mike, as, as a lead pastor um, in, in a community of lead pastors in this city, as a lead pastor of Vista, you know, what are you hearing in relation to God's appointment of leadership in this space your call in this space, where your heart is at personally in this space? Can you ask that question in a slightly different way? When you hear about this dialogue, I think I can, because I'm processing what I just heard. Um, when you hear about this, this identity crisis, when you hear about mm-hmm. this, we're not sure who we mm-hmm. are, um, and, and society having the power somehow yeah. of pushing us into spaces gotcha. versus us being influencers mm-hmm. of society. Right. Um, as a person who is leading and teaching and guiding uh, uh, an expression of God's church, a, a, an expression of his body, you know, where does that leave you as a yeah. leader? You know, what's yeah. your voice? What's, your, what's yeah. your impetus there? Yeah, I feel like the greatest challenge is uh, teaching ourselves, me, um, our peers, and our churches, as strange as it sounds, what it means to be a Christian. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm shocked. I just did a, I think, I, I launched into this sort of series in um, the podcast that I do and didn't realize how deeply I was feeling it, number one, and how true it was that my church is divided I hadn't. I had no idea. I was proud of the fact that we had built a pretty big tent and had differing theologies, um, Calvinists and Arminians, and we had different. Um, we, we had all sorts of differences, and I thought we were unified until this year, and then I and I wasn't so 
No, I didn't mean to say, I don't mean to say that I thought we were homogenous. I just thought we were unified. I knew we had differences, but I had no idea how people were going to hold their ground out in some extraneous, albeit important for a society thing, and hold that ground rather than the, yeah. rather than the Christian ground. Yeah. Shocked. And have no idea they're doing it. Yeah. They've conflated their Christianity with that, whatever their cause is. Yeah. So this is where Christianity lives on this side of the aisle. This is where Christianity lives with regard to poverty. This is where Christianity lives with regard to theology. I'm like, wow. Does it surprise you how uncritical we seem to be? About yeah, a lot people of don't these know. Issues? It's like, yeah, I find, I'm, I'm somewhat shocked at like how someone would interact with someone else, behave, even argue, yeah. differ with no. Christian foundation for the argument. Like even something base, as basic as I will defer and let you win the argument. Like that's a Christian thing to do. Mm. <laughs> no, I have to win. I'm like, do you know how unchristian that is? Right. <laughs> no, I, no I, I think this, I have to stand up for what's right and so I have to win. I'm like, do you know? Have you met Jesus? You know? <laughs> how do you, it is how do you feel like? How do you, do you feel like the people in the church have felt that shock in themselves? I don't know. I, it's hard because so many of the church aren't around right now. Mm-hmm. Like we've discovered there's three types of people. There's people that either discovered that the church wasn't what it should be, legitimately like should be, and they're not here anymore because they look, not, not just Vista, but generally. <clears throat> the, the church has failed them and they realized it and we need to own it. Or they've just gravitated away because Christianity was like an event, Sunday event. And then there's this third group that is hanging with it because their faith is a lifestyle and they know the church is flawed and let's get back to work and figure this out. So I'm not even in touch with half the church any, anymore. You know, I don't, I don't know. Mm. Wow. But I've been generally surprised at our inability to be distinctly different in society. So, so Nick, uh, Kevin, <clears throat> you have a lot of relationships out here in the city, not, not just in Columbus, but in the region, and, and I would even say nationally. So you talk to a lot of different leaders, a lot of pastors, a lot of networks and teams and organizations. Uh, how how common has what Mike just articulated, how common has that been in the dialogue you've had with others? Uh, is there something in particular you've heard in the midst of that dialogue that's uh, in proximity to what Mike just said about this discovery of, of the community uh, in which uh, a pastor is leading or a leader, a ministry leader of some kind is, is leading and they're discovering there's this there are these things within the community that I didn't realize were there, but they've really emerged aggressively uh, in this season that we're in, and it's setting the stage for this year that we're heading into. You're asking them if they've been, they know people or they themselves have been surprised by the church. Yeah. Like how broadly are you hearing this, experiencing this? Depends on which constituency, which uh, group of friends I'm with. So, so pick one and tell me about them. Well, I mean, from a historically African-American perspective. 
no surprise. Mm-hmm. Right? This we live the tension. You know, we're born into the tension. We grow up without the luxury of having uh, having to uh, or not having to think about it. We don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. Right? When I'm in uh, a group of my uh, uh, counterparts who are in the majority culture, it's more of a shock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That there is division, and and more than that, you know, why aren't we getting along anymore? Right, things are hitting the fans. So it just depends yeah. on which group. So it's really been almost an uh, uh, opposite poles of reaction. Almost a um, in the historically African American space, it's it's almost a non-reaction. Like, yeah, of course. And then outside of that context, it's been some level of shock or surprise or. Or what have you. Is that essentially what you're saying? I would say, but but let me add a piece. Uh, I'm finding that there are many of my friends who are more willing now to engage in those conversations because they see a bit more clearly than perhaps previously they've not seen. Mm -hmm. So it depends on who I'm talking to and what stage they are, uh, where they are in terms of their understanding of their own Christianity. Yeah to be willing to be humble enough and say, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I didn't get it where mm-hmm. I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Is this, uh, from your perspective, mostly an issue of um, race-based perspective, no. or is it cultural context? No, is it suburban-urban, you know, all these different it's layers? broader than race. I would say it is culture. Mm-hmm. What um, is the it we're talking about? The division, the response, mm-hmm. the reaction, mm-hmm. depending on mm-hmm. where a person is. But I, I think it's bigger than race, but it includes race. race is a very yeah, much exposed facet of, of it. Yeah. Nick, uh, what, do, what do you think about what Mike just said, about what Kevin just uh, added to that mm-hmm. or further clarified around that? Yeah, I think if, if we're putting this in, in especially the, the question in the context of 2021 and what's coming... I think the pandemic opened the door and we look in and we're like, ooh, wow, there's a lot of division. There's a lot mm-hmm. like this is <clears throat> we, we've, you know, you it's, like, it's looking at social media and people in your church and you're like, have these people lost their soul? Like, do they read the Bible anymore? Or, you know, whether, whether you know, in the margins, in those spaces where they're, you know, really fighting for something. And uh, and so. I think a lot of churches, a lot of pastors, that's the make it or break it conversation that I'm having is you're either going to go into 2021 and you're going to work on those things and like really not, or you're going to shut the door and just pretend, just get back to the way things were, you know, and I think it just takes so much more work to lean into the like actually addressing some of the issues and rooting it. I think, you know, all the, the, the research that we, we see, I think just all the people leaving the church, I think becomes such an incredible discouragement so that leaning into that conversation seems like the very last thing we want to do um, because we've already lost so many people. We've already lost so much. And so it's just easier to like, let's shut the door. Let's get through it. 2021, hopefully the vaccine or you know the the virus will go away Take its course yeah, yeah. And, and 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 we'll be able to step in and go back to normal and uh and i think that that actually 
scares me more. And um, I'm not a fearful person, but I, I, I think there is a there is a fear that we'll just get it back to the way it was, to the normalcy, um, and not let this wide open door, this you know, this wide open naked vision of the church, you know be seen and exposed and addressed and, and, and worked on and grown. And, um, and so, you know, for me, again, putting it, the, that division and that tension in the context of next year um, and this year, 2021, I think a lot of it's just that the make it or break it is just going to be decide, are we going to dig in? And this isn't like Chris, this isn't Mike, this isn't pastors deciding this. The church, the people of the church have to make that decision too. Am I going to hold on to, um, you know, this tension over here of like, I'm not going to let go of the presidency, or am I going to hold on to this tension over here, and I'm not going to, uh, you know, let go of this extreme, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And, and I mean, it just feels like everybody's kind of under the bus, but it's like we're we have to get to a spot where the church itself decides, I am not going to let this um, tension rip down, this division rip down my church and my people, but I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to take part in the journey of working through it, whether it's racial, whether it's well, whatever. If I can paraphrase even that, because that's important. It's also raising the question of, is Jesus really Lord? Exactly, yeah. Or will I continue to simply ask Jesus to co-sign my cultural perspective? I mean, that for me is the heart of the matter. Who's Lord? And, and it's perfect. It seems like we haven't, we've failed to teach the church, and I, I should say I've failed to fully understand myself, if I should answer the question, Jesus is Lord, what does that even mean? What does that mean? Because I think we, I would say yes. You ask, even, even the people before we had the mass exodus of the pandemic, if I would ask the church, who's Lord? Yes. <laughs> Lord, Jesus or somebody else? Pretty much my whole church would be like, it's Jesus. And what we're seeing, though, yes. is this what feels like a falsehood right. that this is what it looks like to have Jesus as Lord. And I think, well, who am I to say otherwise? But that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, it's, it, we are not living like that. It's, isn't it amazing, too, that that is not a radical thing in our day in the way that it was in the first century? How can it not? That's, that's part of the problem. Like, how can it not? Yeah. Well, I, I agree. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's become like, well, you can have Jesus as Lord and have a few other lords, <laughs> you know. And we've not we you know, we've not addressed the actual idols that people are dealing with every day because we have them. Mm-hmm. The church has them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The church we, is. We have bought into certain idols. Like there are churches you can point to a church and say, "Oh, this is what that church is into," and that's what that church is into, and that's the cause that that church is all about. And I think, really, how would you feel? How would I feel if someone said, here's what you're all about, this cultural issue? I would be like, oh, that's not the answer I was hoping. I was hoping you'd say I'd be all about 
Jesus, but so, and I'm sorry for co-opting, but what, what is it going to take for us to be honest with ourselves about all of this? I don't I mean, what else has well, to happen? Well, give me, give me an example of where uh, we know the Sunday school answer is Jesus is capital L, Lord, right? But really, what's being revealed in our behaviors, lifestyle, practices, the choices we make that uh, Jesus is a Lord, in air quotes, lowercase, if even, right? Yeah. So, so, so give me a, a, a practical example of how you're seeing this play out in any context of the church, wherever it is, knowing that it's not always going to play out the same in, in the, the variances between contexts and cultures. But, but tell me more of, of what you're seeing, because you're right, Nick, in, in my opinion, uh, it's one thing for voices to say something. It's a whole other thing for the people of God to actually take it in and live it out. Which is your question, how are we going to turn the corner? How are we going to... What will help us be honest and take a good look at ourselves to what Nick said earlier too and say, you know what, I, I need to repent, you know? Here's one answer I would give, and I would answer your question too. But I, I think... That only comes when we're in authentic relationship with people who are different and people Mm -hmm. who think differently. Iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. The problem is we merely surround ourselves with people who think like us. We've been breathing the same air. And so we don't see, right? But it's when we're in, in authentic, intimate, real relationship with people who can say, no, brother, no. Let's deal with this. And likewise, someone can say that back to me and say, no, that's wrong. Now let's live this out together. Yeah. I think you just called out something um, that is a fear that many of us have. You know, the, the first part of that call is to engage in real, authentic, yeah. I, would, I would throw in there, transparent, um, risky, vulnerable relationship with people that we know are going to think and feel differently about some things that we might be holding on to tightly. Uh, but then I also heard you say that, that there's a reciprocation. I think one of the fears is it's going to be a one-way street. Um, and for many people, I, I, I totally sympathize here, um, that could be a deal-breaker. But I think sometimes it has to be one-sided. So how do you discern that? You know, I mean, I'm really asking you to just unpack the nuts and bolts, the guts of how this really plays out, what it really looks like, so that no one goes into it, you know, saying, feeling like, oh, you just pulled the rug out from under me. I thought it was going to be this, but it's that. Yeah. Um, one of the best examples I can lift is uh, yeah, I've been married now 29 years, and, and there have been seasons in our marriage where... I wanted to be so right that I refused to admit that I was wrong. But I was dead wrong. But after so many years, we're at the stage now where my wife can say, listen, dude, no. Because we're close enough, and I can hear that, I can receive that, and I'm all the way wrong, and she's all the way right. There are other times where... We find common ground, middle ground, because we both have some issues that we need to come to the table. 
So I, I think in a parallel way in other authentic and covenantal relationships, there are some times where I have to suck it up and say, you know what, I'm all the way wrong. And I need to hear my sister. I need to hear my brother. Other times where, okay, a little bit of what each of us is saying is kind of right. So let's come to the middle at some stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nick, Mike, what do you... Um, so at the risk of maybe stirring the pot potentially irresponsibly, um, it's been my experience that I would in some ways expect Kevin, a person of color, a leader in that space, to say those things. How do you receive that? And I, and I still want to make sure we keep in view, what, what does Jesus is Lord mean in this space? Yeah, I, I love what Kevin is saying. And, and in many ways, that idea is why I'm at the table for me and why I'm in this space in the city because I want to be, I want to understand those voices, those perspectives a lot more. My time in New York City really pushed me in the deep end to, to understand that. Um, and, but it, it, oddly enough, it made me a little more comfortable in who I was too um, mm. in a space of just saying, you know, this is where I'm at, but, I, but it humbled that where I'm at. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like it brought me a little bit, like it reminded me that other people aren't um, just heretics or they're, you know, they're crazy or whatever um, because they have that vision. But I'm also happy um, to be where I'm at and, and humbled to be where I'm at. But the other thing I was going to add to what Kevin was saying, taking a little bit, maybe the other side of the coin, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but the, um, is, I think, I think if you're talking, if Kevin's talking about community and relationship and, and being able to be in the same room together, addressing those kinds of, the differences and stuff, I think the other side of it too is people aren't comfortable with God. So they say Jesus is Lord, but they're not actually comfortable with being with him, like communion with God, relationship with God. Mm. So what happens in, in our society is we have gotten really comfortable, uh, for an example, um, spending three hours a day listening to talk radio or watching you know, uh, cable news We've been we we ingest all this stuff, and so we've become t- sort of these these become our our sacraments, our rituals that mm-hmm. we've engaged in for three hours a day, every day, and that adds up a lot to form your entire worldview. And then we maybe give God an hour a week uh, on Sunday, where we kind of pay attention if your church helps you pay attention, you know, like or or um, maybe a small group during the week. Um, and so, of course, they're right, just in your time, is like pointing out the idols and where you are. And so I think there has to be this comfortable cultivation of communion with God that each individual person has to choose, where they have to say, I am not going to take this I, idols. That, the thing is, the idols is they're not bad things. They're actually good things that we make God things, right? So they're usually not like talk radio, not necessarily a bad thing, or cable news, not necessarily a bad thing. Depends on who you ask, I'm sure. But 
Um, technology, technology, buildings, all the things. Yeah, yeah you're, you're doom scrolling through Facebook again. Like, for how many hours is that? Four hours? Well, your worldview is completely shaped because you spent time messing with that, and that became an idol. And so I just, I, I think we need the community, and we also need the community with God, sure. you know, just to be in his presence. And so I, I, don't, I don't think people knew how to do that. And so when we're forced into quarantine or isolation, we've freaked out, yeah. you know, because mm. we don't know how to slow down, be with God. And I mean, I'm, I'm speaking of one who can be guilty of that as well. It's so much easier to turn on Netflix than it is to like be still before the Lord, even though the scriptures talk about that. Kevin, you said earlier, what's it going to take to talk to me? I want to talk about that, but I want to understand first what you see as the end point. What's it going to take for us to what? Like what, where we, where, what, where do we need to be? Where do we need to arrive? What do we need, where do we need to get to when you talk about, what's it going to take for us to get here? Where's here? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. Part of it is, is, what is it going to take to peel back all the layers of stuff to not only tear down, but to destroy all the idols? Um, what's it going to take for us to be naked and unashamed to the point where we see one another for who we really are, without, without all the garb, without all the foolishness and stupid stuff that we tend to perpetuate. Yeah. So that, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Here, here's what worries me, is I think we live in a country where the altars aren't going to get torn down. Mm-hmm. They, they're sophisticated altars. Yes. And it's, it's, it's compelling. It's intoxicating to get involved with the, the left or the, or the right yes. or the whatever or the whatever. All of those, whatever the cause is, it's not some fly-by-night organization anymore. I mean, it is sophisticated marketing, action plans, how to be involved, money. None of that's going away. Right. And what you said earlier, I wrote this down, society is us. Like, we, we are the society. Christianity, we're not, we're not, well, we should, I guess some do. We're could, not we so could partition ourselves off and build our own society, which I'm tempted to do at times, <laughs> you know? It's like, I like to do, I don't, sometimes I think this is unsalvageable. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, I literally said to my wife the other day, I'm thinking about moving to Australia. Not that that's the best place in the world to live, but the sentiment was, I don't want to fight this. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't, I'm tired of this. But uh, the idols aren't going to get torn down, so we're not going to tear them all down. It's not going to be that. So for me, the here is something in the neighborhood of how does the church live in the midst yes. of a land of idols? That's right. Of which we could be involved in them the right way. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing that's weird, is it's not good unless we make it a God. Okay, or it's not, you know, but I should be involved in in this justice effort, this race issue, this fight against poverty, hunger, these these issues. I should be involved in this. 
the problem is most of those things have been made into some kind of a that's right. out of balance all and it's like how do you get involved this is going to be there and we're the church is going to be involved with them that person is involved with that one that person is involved with that to me that like the here is how do you be involved in that mm-hmm. and it's not an idol it's not your whole life somehow you're taking jesus i don't how are we going to do that you know that part of our reformation heritage right is getting back to the place where you, you said something key i look around and this thing is unsalvageable it's work no impossible that's not a bad place to get back to because mm. it's only then that we can say okay lord you know, wretched people that we are, yeah. who shall deliver us yeah. right, from this? Yeah. But thanks be to God. That's the place that we need to mm. somehow be honest enough about to say, you know what, all of us have these filthy rags on. Yeah. But thanks be to God. So now we've got to figure out a way to live in that tension in yeah. the midst of all of that. Um, something it's demotivating. Else. It's demotivating to say to the church and those that are involved in causes to say it's unfixable. Yeah. Um, and, and are we willing to lay our lives on the line so that the Lord might do something redemptive? Yes. And unless yeah. the answer to that is yes, then eh, yeah, we'll just keep going where we are. It, something occurred to me as you yeah. were talking to it. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I, I extrapolate from that, not just you know, monetary financial wealth, but the wealth of our opinions, the wealth of our structures, the wealth of our institutions, the wealth, all that has been challenged during this COVID-19 age, wealth, right? Hmm. The wealth of our being right or being on the right side of a political party or whatever. It it's is. really like all of your attachments. All of it. I go back to like one of my own illustrations. You ever been so impressed by one of your own illustrations that you come back to it? I, I nailed it with this one. Right? I've never we were, had that. Yeah, right, right. right. I have one. I have one. I have one. We were talking. One, so we were talking ahead. about um, the camel going through the eye of a needle. So I went out and I bought this fishing uh, aluminum fishing net. So it's like a big needle and this you know hole in it. I took the net off of it and I brought this person up on stage and I gave him all these bags, these bags, none of which fit through the thing. And I said, so you got to go through the eye of the needle. And, and this person literally, I said, pick up all your stuff and then crawl through. And you can see it. She, she went through, but everything else had to be laid on this side. Yes. Yes. And it's like, we have so many attachments, so many causes, so many things that we're excited about. And it's like, you can't take that. This is not this is not, the kingdom is not all that, whatever is important to you, whatever you're passionate about, although those are important things, those passions aren't in and of themselves. No matter how good they are, that's not life. Hmm. I don't know if anybody has any other definition of life right now other than the cause that you're attached to or the money that you're attached to or the comfort that you're attached to. It's like there is no other choice. What is the other choice? So if, if going back to the very first part of the conversation, if 2020 exposed it all, not all of it, but a lot of it, is 2021 the year to start 
the choose ye for this day who you will serve. Like who, like the, again, I, that's why I say the make it or break. I don't know the, the, the word, but like mm-hmm. where you're actually going to embrace Jesus as Lord, let, like go through the, the eye of the needle and let go of a lot of those things. I don't know. And I, then we're going to see, wow, there's a lot less people here than mm. I thought. Mm. Y'all remember that scene in one of the Matrix movies where the guy uh, says, you know, he's, I want to go back to eating steak and I, I'll take the illusion because I don't want the yes. reality. It's, it's one of those moments, mm. right? Will we pick back up the lie or will we say, no, you know, I'm going to engage over here and lay it all down for you, Lord? That's a tough question. Yeah, because there's still a lot of sorting out to do, yeah. like, what is real? What is the lie? And that's, yeah, it's so true. Mike, you just, you, a little bit, a little while ago, you mentioned that uh, what Kevin just said is demotivating. And um, <clears throat> I feel that because um, I would say one of the cultural idols that we have is a, an inspiration-based, a self-help, you know, name it, claim it, if you just wish for it hard enough, you can have it type of a culture. Um, and, I, and there's so many layers of things that are sold to us as a reality that aren't reality. Not, they aren't truth, I should say. Um, so so coach, coach me through this, this this idea that, that Jesus is Lord, that um, in him, if we are in him, we, are, we have been made into ministers of reconciliation, peacemakers, and yet we are peacemakers who must confess the truth as best as we understand it in the midst of all these layers of half-truths, non-truths, non-realities, false realities, what have you. I mean, let, let's use the, the, the cry, the lament of racial injustice as a societal hot topic that has pressed the people of God into spaces. And, and you said, and, and I appreciate... And divided them. Yeah, and, and yeah. to sow seeds of division very not effectively. Even across, it's not even a color division. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just straight up division on yes. how you yeah. view yeah. The, the whole issue. Yes. And, and Kevin, I so appreciate that you... You didn't diminish that, devalue that, but you did refer to it as a facet of something much broader, much, much bigger. So, so how do I, uh, on the ground, uh, minister to, hear, and preach the truth to my friends in law enforcement, and then uh, in and around the same dialogue, have that, that conversation with my friends who are people of color, or or have a particular sensitivity around this. Meanwhile, I'm realizing more and more my friends can't be in the same room with my friends, both of whom are Christians, both of whom are brothers or sisters in Christ, and yet even within our own family, there is a lack of reconciliation. How do you do that? How do do you live out this idea that Jesus is Lord and I'm supposed to be a peacemaker but I can't even do it within my own house. Talk about demotivating. I'm demotivated, but I choose to hold on to Jesus as Lord in the midst of that. 
How does one do that? Wow. Don't you, don't you have to... <laughs> don't you have to diminish the, the passion or the cause that you are so committed to? You have to diminish it below Jesus. Hmm. I, I would qualify that. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. No, I, I, I hear you. I, I would qualify, though, to say that there is a such thing as righteous anger um, that is absolutely justified when something is unjust that is in line with who Jesus is. So it's not as though all of it is below Jesus. Some of it is. I don't even mean to say, I wouldn't even say that the cause itself isn't true or the emotion itself isn't justified. That's not my point. How am I going to live in the same room with somebody else that doesn't share that? It, it can't be more important than the rally uh, around Christ himself. And again, I would say it can be a part of the overall equation. So if I love you, I can hang with your anger and your passion. Because I understand and I care enough about yes. you that, yeah, be mad, right? And let's hash it out together. This, that is lowering it. It's like it, you are, you're not making it more important than me. Right. That, that's you're it. not making it that's more it. important than, than love. You're right. not making it more important than the unity that we have in Christ. As soon as anything, no matter how true, no matter how wrong, becomes more important yes. than staying unified as long as you, that other person could be completely wrong on the issue. They could be flat out wrong. There's something about the brand of shallow Christianity that we are embracing these days that says, I can't, I can't tolerate that. Right. I cannot, I cannot be your friend. <clears throat> No matter how. But I, I think what you're talking about is the heart of Christ who carried this gentleness, this lowliness of heart, that he, he brought that out. And that, that heart and that posture makes a space for the anger and makes a space for the people who have the um, the lament and the loss and just all the, th- the things going on in their world. And I think w- that, to me, is a big piece of what I feel like we don't, um, we don't clothe ourselves with, that heart of Christ, where we don't clothe ourselves with. So we're not, and, and maybe our, our 2021 challenge of just being able, how do we do that? How do we get ourselves in a space where we can... Um, you know, have conversation and understanding with somebody who views uh, police brutality very differently, differently than I do, or uh, the presidency very different than I do. You know, how do you be able to? And I think the clothing yourself in in, um, in that sort of gentleness and and lowliness is really really important, especially when I mean, social media has given us the platform to just be angry. A lot, yeah. And it's not—it's not the best platform, I don't think, for lon- lowliness and gentleness. 
But I, I just think there's, there's, there's um, maybe something there we could clothe ourselves with to not just be, to, well, to make space for the anger, of course, to like make space for the lament and the, all the tension that's in the air, but to, to move forward, that's, I think that's an important piece that, that the church should put on to be able to move forward. It feels like a compromise to people now. They've been, con- they've been conditioned that if you don't hold your position and denigrate the person with the other viewpoint or the immature viewpoint or the, or the uneducated viewpoint, you have failed your to, to tell the truth. You have failed. If you, any, if you embrace that person on some level in their ignorance... You've, you've done a disservice to God. Yeah, and I would distinguish between um, bearing with someone and then telling the truth about what really is. And I, I think what people are refusing to let go is the unwillingness to call sin, sin. And so it, it's rushing to say, okay, let's get over it, let's forgive, without acknowledging. But no, this is wrong. Yeah, and my point is that both parties ha- should be very clear on what is true, what is sin, and then we stay there. Yeah. That's what we can't do. Right. It doesn't seem, well, we can't, I'm saying that, that there's, there's a, there's a, Yes, but you know why we can't stay there? Because we didn't have authentic relationship in the first place. Yeah. I don't like you. I don't love you. So why would I stay there? I had a, f- a friend of mine ask my advice. Uh, they, were, they were asked to, um, I'm trying to be vague here, uh, to support. They were at, a friend was asked, support me in this way. Yeah. They'd been friends for years. And this person couldn't support them in that way because what they were asked to be supportive of was a sin. <clears throat> she didn't know how to handle the request because she was afraid that the denial of the request was going to damage the relationship. Mm-hmm. And this was what was freeing to her. I said, it's only going to expose the level of relationship that you have. That's right. Mm. The question is, will they value your Will they respect and honor your values like you have respected and honors? You're you're saying, I love you, I appreciate you, but I can't support that. And you would be basically saying the same thing to them. Can you respect this? And I said, you're going to find out the condition of your relationship. It seems like it's all great, but you've never told them your values yet. (laughs) And just like you said, she was heartbroken. She said, here's what I believe. And the person didn't embrace them any longer as a friend. Yeah. Exposed, exactly what you said. Yeah. Oh, our relationship isn't mutual. That's what I've discovered. That's the shocking thing I've discovered about like, this vista itself. It's, did I already say this? I may have said it in the previous segment. I thought we were unified. Right. I think I did bring this up. Yeah. And suddenly I realized, and I didn't, it's just never been cranked on mm-hmm. like just never and now you got people that have been fine but it's just because we weren't talking about it now that we're talking about certain things suddenly there's this division I'm thinking whoa 
thought you were committed to one another. I thought you could stay. Mm. I, I don't know that... Expose their actual relationship. It does. It does. And I don't know that there will ever be resolution to any of this before the Lord comes back. But back to Nick's earlier point about tension, um, the willingness to engage the tension and to stay in the tension is... And for me, that's what the cross is all about. It's what love is all about. So, you know, it's... Staying in the fight. If you can't stay in the fight, if you can't stay in the tension, you can't live yeah. in this life. That's it's right. not going to get fixed. It's, it's not, not going to get fixed. It's not. So we have got to somehow be together yep. in a non-fixed world. Yep. Yep. The idea that the causes that we're excited about are going to get resolved. And that's my goal. <laughs> I remember asking... It's a national representative of um, a human trafficking ministry with a particular agenda to do a particular thing in every state, which is great. And I asked her in this forum, I said, what is your end goal? She said, to eradicate human trafficking. And I was like, I think I didn't mock her at the moment, but my thought was, okay. And then I said, well, let me, just before then, What's your goal? Because that's the only one you're going to reach. Whatever's quite, you're not going to solve it. Yeah. And if that's the end, the end goal has for Christian has to be something other than solving that problem. Right. If that's the ultimate goal, solving that problem, then you're going to have to break fellowship with all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. The end goal has to be different. So I come back to my question, like, okay, what is the this? that we're trying to get to is some kind of, at least with, this is the weird thing. It's like the goal for me is like what's happening in the church. It used to be what the church could do to the wor- for the world, but now it's like, man, the, the church needs the help. Mm-hmm. We're disunified in the church. We're not loving each other in the church. We got It's like internal work. It is. It's not even trying to get the rest of the world mm-hmm. to come here. It's like we're broken in half for Judgment must begin at the house of God, right? Yeah. It's got to start there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, mm-hmm. what hope is there beyond? Just, you know, it's got to start with us. Well, let me ask you guys this. Um, <clears throat> I would say this, this societal pushing uh, is, is like a reflection of being tossed to and fro, right? And... And when you look at uh, Ephesians 4 and 5 and, and uh, what I receive as rest- instructions to those who have been appointed to, to lead the people of God in some ways, these equippers, right? Um, one of the outcomes that is not desired there is that the people of God are somehow tossed to and fro, and we're supposed to be equipping for the sake of the ministry, right? And I, I think about my own struggle in this space, and I know there's a trickle-down into those whom I might be leading and equipping and, and informing in that space. And so I, I totally agree with you that um, part of 2021 is this in, inside the family work that has been exposed and we need to work on um, because there's this increasing reality that, uh, you know, there's this concept that we are exiles in this 
foreign land in this hostile world, right? And so there's there was always going to be this tension that's unresolved because we're in a place that isn't our home. Um, but we're also told by the Lord of hosts, you know, the, the God of these heavenly armies, that, that these gates that we're experiencing, they shouldn't be able to withstand the people of God. And yet they have not only held firm, they have in turn opened, and then whatever was released pushed us into spaces. Seems like the exact opposite of what it should be. So, uh, so I want to ask you a personal question. I'll give you an example of, of what I mean by this. So here's my personal resolution going into 2021, though I've never been one to make a resolution going into the new year. I have realized to, to one of your, both of you, you made an earlier point, I, I not only have a plank in my eye, I have somehow managed to gorilla tape an entire pallet to my face, is how it feels. And so I'm realizing these convictions I've had, they're all suspect at this point, because it's been revealed to me at least a little bit where I have swapped out the truth with some flavor of a lie, even if it's 99% true. And so for me, that's what the work of Jesus is Lord is looking like for me heading into 2021. I'm having to submit everything to my king, saying, as my daughter would say, it's all sus. It's all suspect. Because I had these things that I've been carrying in front of me, and they have done a disservice in some way to what God has called me to do for the sake of this You're having to humbly reconsider everything you thought was right or true. Everything. It's all suspect at this point. So that's me personally. What about you guys personally? Knowing there's a ripple effect, there's a cascading effect because you are all people of influence in the lives of other people. You're asking what the personal challenge is? What yep. am I seeing for 2020? What, what has your Lord told you personally mm-hmm. knowing that it impacts other people mm-hmm. because of the space in which you've been called? One, one of my ongoing temptations, and it's been increasing all year long, is, and this is back to something Mike said too, um, Every other day, I'm thinking to myself, you know, to hell with all of this. <laughs> I'm out. Right? I, I'm I can amen just, that to some extent. Just amen. That's, that's, where, that's where, for some reason, I decide I don't want to go to Australia. I don't know why that's a good solution. But, you know, I'm, it's I'm just not here. I've grown so weary of trying to help others understand um, that nothing is as simple as we try to make it. Life is complex. It's messy. We're messy. Nobody's all right. Nobody's all wrong. Mm. I've, I've just grown weary of that. But, but for me personally, what that's revealed is that um, I've got to recommit myself to staying in the fight. And um, I've got to endure in some ways. Also, back to what Nick said earlier, um, my abiding in him has got to be as increased as the intensity um, that's calling me to quit, hang it up. Hmm. And I would imagine that's a lot of leaders' stories ready to say, no, I don't want to do this anymore. 
So the two of you aren't headed to the beaches of Australia because together? Because the, the measurements are all out of whack, too. Um, what we used to look at that made me feel like what I was doing mattered isn't so, getting... So it's probably that, Pastor, your idol is in shambles because you're like, well, I don't know how many people go to my church. So I can't even put that on display. Right. Mm. Right. It has to matter that that you are pursuing Jesus mm-hmm. and present in the middle of the battle. That's if if that's the only thing that can matter. If what matters is some measurement that comes from your involvement, we end up just building the measurement that reflects most <laughs> brilliantly on us, you know. If I'm good at putting a lot of people in a room, then that's what we should count, <laughs> you know. <laughs> if I, you know, it's like you, you. The problem that you have, Kevin, is you genuinely want true change. So, anytime someone comes along and wants to just slap some kind of a thing together that we can measure that reflects something like what you're you you are passionate about it doesn't matter it's like no it's it needs to be genuine and that stuff it, it kind of goes away when that that person like you leaves the room how often do you see that happen it's like you you know you you walk in there and you change the temperature of a room and you walk out that temperature goes back for the most part where it went to before unfortunately yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know and you want to see that temperature change you actually want to see temperature change and everybody's just wanting to build thermometers you know it's like oh my gosh I love that about you it's like I can totally understand why you would want to quit the world's not going to get fixed it's not (laughs) and that's that's demotivating I want to see it fixed I want to see it better my problem to answer your question is Mm. I um, I don't want to see the truth same same reason Mm. I don't really want to see what's going on in there because I know it's not fixable. Mm. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to work my tail off in vain. Mm. And it feels like it's too big at this point. I was telling Tammy the other day, I was like, I know some fairly influential people. Like they've got a national presence and they aren't impacting the political scene or the they're not they're not making they're not making any they're not doing any more than I am <laughs> and they've got this they're really not no one is the most influential people I know aren't in the news mm. <laughs> and, and, and they're more if I was as influential as they were I would feel like I've arrived and that I could do something about it and I stand back and I go that no one's, no one's making it. I respect that person, and they're not making a dent. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, man, I, yeah. what are we going to... But to me, this is me getting back to the same thing I feel like I need to teach the world. It's like, you know what really matters is you and Jesus and helping that person that's in a ditch and then sleep well. That's it. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, we just need to... Everybody has to do that. We can't... We can't be intent on building the big thing that's going to change the whole world. It's just not going to work. That's not Jesus' way. But the whole rest of the world is involved in these high-level, high-visibility causes, and the Christian cause is invisible. Mm 
mm-hmm. when it's working really, really good. The real Christian. The concept. real Christian. <laughs> like someone asked me the other day, who are the three best pastors in Columbus? And I said, you don't know them. Nobody knows them. <laughs> that is a great answer. <laughs> That's a great I don't answer. know them. They're not trying. They're not writing books. The best ones are going to die in complete obscurity. No one will ever know they were the best pastor in town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. Nothing, man. Well, if they're I can, not, if I get to that. Around. How do you motivate people that that's the, that's the end goal for, as a Christian, is to, be, is to do it all, lay it out there in complete obscurity? Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to throw names in, into the mix, but, you know, there's a prominent article written recently by a non-Christian about a celebrity pastor who failed morally. And the article was, uh, I mean, there's been just, you know, a hundred of those this year, of course. Um, but the, the end of the article is fascinating because she writes basically saying, at the end of the day, this guy wanted to be just like me, uh, but, but with a little Jesus stuff. Like, this <laughs> pastor, this pastor, be... yeah, he just wants to be like me, and I don't want that. Like, and I think that we've spent, the church has spent a lot of time trying to look like everyone else. Let's be cool, or let's be... Because we think that it's well-motivated. Like, yeah. largely. Every now and then you've got a person at the center of that storm that is egocentric. Sure. But a lot of good people are trying to use the means of the world to try to... Like, I, I, there's a part of me that wants to be famous... Mm-hmm. So that I can have a good effect on my culture. Yeah, but my, my point, I think, is I, I read a long time ago, I read, I, I love reading anything Bill Bryson writes. Um, he wrote A Walk in the Woods. Um, he's a travel writer, just a phenomenal writer. And he wrote this book on, called Home, where he kind of breaks down and goes through the history of the house. Like, how does a fork become a fork or a window become a window? Fascinating book. But one of the things that I loved about the book is half the things that were sort of invented and all were by pastors. <laughs> and, and it just got me thinking, like, man, why are the pastors... Like, they, they were leading innovation. They were leading the way. Now, I feel like we just ride the coattails of popular, popular culture. Yeah. And we're not willing to, like, step into new spaces in an authentic way, you know? So we think, you know, just because... And here I'm wearing a hoodie. But, you know, you wear a hoodie and some Air Jordans that you're all of a sudden, like, now you're down with the, 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 the cool kit, you know? You're, you're there. <laughs> Um, and it's not authentic, and, and it's, you just, you, it, it's, and again, I'm not throwing, I'm throwing very big blanket statements that aren't yeah. always true, but I'm just, my point is, is that um, I think there's this capitulation that we've made as the church to say, we want to be like this community, and therefore, it's brought this pressure, it's brought all this it's, it's, it's kind of left the church, you know, this, you know, this deep. And so that kind of brings me to my personal point, which you, you asked about. For me personally, it's like I, I want 2021 to be a cultivation of the soul. And I, I use that language. I'm, I've been using that language a little more intentionality about the soul. Right or wrong, I don't know. But like it just, fe- something about saying the word soul feels deeper than 
It, it feels more cosmic, more metaphysical. I don't know, just something, and, and it's a biblical word, of course, but like it just feels deeper than saying, you know, I'm just going to work on my my body or you're, you're really being attentive to like, I want to be attentive to the presence of God. I want to be, I mean, my theology is God is omnipresent, but I want to be attentive to the like the powerful presence mm-hmm. that the, the, I want, I want to be ready for him to just show up, um, in a burning bush. Um, which for me is a stretch. Like I, I don't like run in that way. Um, but I'm eager for that. And so I'm saying this, this year, I am going to, I'm going to really go for that and, and really embrace that. And then I, I was going to add, add this other point to, um, when I think about posturing myself, um, and I'm going to use Kevin as an example because he's, he's like my older brother. He is my older brother. I want, I, in a way you were saying, I want to be exposed, um, in a way where Kevin can see deeper sin in me than I can see in myself. And I'm trusting him that he's going to love me through it and embrace me through it. Um, We're talking about vulnerability. Vulnerability, Mm. exactly. I want to be around, I don't need to be vulnerable with everyone, but I just, I want this year to be in a place I can be really vulnerable. Which comes back to what you were saying. Mm. That's what you mean when you say intimacy. Yes, absolutely. You mentioned that earlier. You're talking about the same thing. There Mm. is something deeply powerful about vulnerability. And I think what I'm saying is there's something deeply vulnerable about simple um, simple one-on-one presence and ministry work in the world as opposed to the big thing that's going to change everything. You guys are more relational than I am. You, you have a, an emotional IQ that exceeds mine, and so it doesn't surprise me that you're talking about this on a deeper level, soul and intimacy. For me, it's, it comes out a little more practically. It's like I have to get away from this idea of big works. Big works. Big things work. Uh, momentum and large group collaborate. It's like, okay, no. There's something very powerful about vulnerable. There's something that can change our society mm-hmm. when I am vulnerable. There's something magnificent that can happen when I help a person. Something massive that happens when I connect with someone who differs from me. Yes. And just, if I can add just a point of affirmation, and I don't want to uh, short circuit Nick here, but. Um, you need to know that you do that, and I don't think you know that you do it when you do it. I think you're right because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know. I there, know what he's saying. There are this is what Kevin does, deeper, otherwise known as Yoda. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> no, there are deeper parts of you that show up that I don't think you're even unaware of. I think you're unaware of most of the time. <laughs> and I can say, sitting here, with truthfulness, um, I have either quoted you or shared something that you've um, revealed to me mm. with at least 20 other people That's weird. over the past year, right? 
about church, about leadership, about mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And so you do it. I appreciate that. I just that. want you to hear that. I appreciate that because that means a lot coming from you guys because I have a great deal of yeah. respect for you, and I do mean that. You, you have a gravitas about you that is really inspiring. But that comes as a result of your openness to being in relationship with me mm. in a one-on-one. Yeah, yeah. My, and my I, I may have interrupted you earlier. I apologize. No, no, no. no, no. My, uh, my spiritual director um, over the last decade— You have a uh, spiritual director. yeah. I'm, what is I'm that? A little tangent. What, yeah. Explain that. What is? Uh, it's probably a, a well-trained mentor, um, somebody who is cultivating the soul, and mm. really, um, it's not necessarily counseling. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's a little more. It's not as like coaching. It's kind of I get, this yeah, that's cool. Unique space. It's like spiritual direction. It's kind of like a spiritual yeah. direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you've you've talked about this like. We, how, how valuable is it for us to have somebody in our life that actually is concerned about cultivating the right things in our Every, soul? Everybody soul needs is that. what you mean. Spiritual director mm. could be very superficial. It teach me how to be spirited. But well, you, mean, people, you, mean, you mean soul work. Mm-hmm. And there's people who are trained in this and who've got really... The, actually, Columbus, believe it or not, is a deep well of resources for spiritual, spiritual direction. There's yeah. some amazing people gifted in that. But my yeah, point sorry. is yes. that just to wrap into what you guys are saying, he would always say the greatest thing you can bring is your transformed and transforming presence. Yes. That's good. And Boom. I've, I've tried to abide by that for many, many years, failed a lot. But for me, though, that like, I don't want to just be transparent or vulnerable for vulnerability's sake. Yeah. Like that's a, you know, Brene Brown talks about that. We, there's mm-hmm. psychology and there's, you know, we can just sort of open ourselves up. But I want us to be in the church. I would love for us and myself to be um, vulnerable towards God, you know, where there's a, there's a, there are people who know you and there are people who see your limitations and there are people who are willing to actually point it out to you and then bring you to Jesus and show you the Father's love. A lot of times, all we know about vulnerability is guilt, shame, anxiety, fear. Like, we know, we know that part of vulnerability, but we don't know accepted, um, cared for, loved, and um, embraced by the Father in mm. that. And so we know a lot about where we talk a lot about God's love, but we don't know how to really deal with it in those spaces and so um, I, I bring that up because I, you know, like I, I think we, we kind of all want openness and we all want vulnerability and we all, we talk about that a lot in our culture and our society. Um, but we have to be able to like lean in a little more than mm-hmm. the, the pop psychology aspect of it. And, um, yeah. and I think that's where, for me, that's where the transformation actually comes from. Um, it's I, I can't even, and I know you can't either, probably remember 99% of your sermons. You probably can remember a few points here and there, a few stories here and there that you've told a few times. But you probably can really point out just some of those you know, really deep, meaningful conversations where there's been true transformation. You can point to that as like a massive change in your, mm-hmm. in your life and your heart. And so I think we need more of that. And our churches need more of that. And all that comes to the soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, what you guys are talking about, is 
is what I find inspiring. Um, it, it is, it is a, a glimpse, again, through my own broken and limited lens, it is a glimpse of the kingdom that the kingdom that is here and the kingdom that is yet to come it's 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 these little glimpses of the shalom that is coming to bear and you know god in in, in his just infinite wisdom i have to choose to believe that chooses to invest a piece of his heart his mind his soul in in people like you and what's inspiring is i know that you aren't the only people like you out there. Uh, I, I do know that it, it seems like the reality is there aren't many, but uh, over and over again, we see that God does profoundly magnificent things through few, even a one uh, type of a, a equation. So um, so let, let this be the, the last question. Um, so much of this applies, I think, everywhere. But we live here in Columbus. Uh, we are the people of God here in Columbus. Um, what do you, what would, if you had, if you had the ability to shape something that would come into fruition this coming year, in, in, I'm sorry, in 2021 here, what would you like to see there? You can say, there it is. That's what we've been talking about. It doesn't have to be complete, but there's a few bricks in that house that's being built, and that's what we're talking about. If you had to give some type of tangible shape to it, what would you like to see? For me, that's an easy one. It, it's, it's conversations like this, right? And, and conversations at a common table where we come as equals, where we come as equally beloved, um, we come as equally gifted um, and for the mutual benefit of everybody. And um, you didn't ask for this, but I'm going to toss this in. I'm stuck still on John 15 and that abiding. And for me, part of abiding with him is abiding with us because we are mm -hmm. his body. So I, I don't think we have done enough with the sense of abiding. I mean, there's course, tremendous value of getting in our secret place and being with the Lord, but I don't think we maximize the value of his presence in moments like this. And um, yeah, I could go off and preach a little bit on that, but you know, God wants us to bear fruit. Mm. And as we come together in moments like this, um, the one who abides in me was not bearing fruit, I'll take up or lift up, and those who are bearing not enough fruit, I need to go ahead and prune. And so even in the context of community, we're being lifted and we're being pruned. There are things that are being cut away and there's are parts of us that are being edified and lifted up. All of that for me happens in moments like this. We need more of this. That's all I got. Cool. Well, if you're going to be stuck in a passage, John 15 is probably a good one. I mean, I think the definition of John 15 is be stuck here. Be stuck. Be stuck with me. I, I'm going to push on you a little bit. Um, there must be more that you hope for than conversations because I don't know anybody that's in more conversations and in more close, honest, 
vulnerable relationship. And if that... But not everybody has the benefit that I have. I'm, I'm a peacemaker, right? So I'm always in spaces of different people, right? Everybody needs that, and not enough people have that. So, so you're thinking... I, I, I guess I misunderstood it as a desire for your heart, your life... You, I want that for, for so much uh, more for others. Yeah, okay. You, you want to see more of this for more people That's in right. more places. Because when that happens, we start to see the Church of Columbus really come together and things really start to happen. Mm. Okay, that's the part I want to jump to then is what would be happening? Like, okay, it's, if you, what you're saying is the, the strategy or the means by which something is going to come about is conversation, vulnerability, soul work. Once we do that, then what is the then? I'm coming to the conclusion that it's really just this is the whole, that's the whole end. You know, whatever the outcome is. What, what, but is there, this is what well, motivates us is well, that there's I, some sort of an outcome out I think, there. I think what you're getting at is... Um, this is a place where I wrestle, and I know I could spend a lot, like an hour, we could spend an hour going here, because I think the, the Western culture has gone quickly from that to, like, the, the, we, how do we do church? Like, how, what is it? Is it, you know, big? Is it house? Is it, you know, cell groups? Is it Sunday school? Whatever. We kind of go to these kinds of conversations. And the, the interesting thing about where Kevin and I exist is, like, I don't know if we care all that much about those kinds of things, um, because there's a, another thing that I think is more important. It's that, that again, the, the center of the, the church, um, the congregation, the, the marketplace people, the, the nonprofit work. There's a center in all of that that I think we want more people to experience, and taste, and, and enjoy more than the like, hey, we got the seminar for $79. We can grow your church from this to this. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that, um, for me anyway, I don't care as much about some of those tangible things. Like I could, you know, just like I know you can talk about those mechanics, the buttons and the, the yeah. levers to pull. Yeah. But um, at the, I, I just felt like at the end of the day, I don't really care. Me either. I, I agree. My point is, I don't find people even capable of being motivated without that at, without something that they're building. That's the part. It's like if you're not involved in a cause and you're not willing to lay your life down for a cause, there's nothing that's valuable about just talking to one another or connecting. Something has to happen or the world's been duped into thinking that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If something measurable doesn't happen, then what you've been doing doesn't amount to anything. I don't believe that lie. But to me, that's the challenge of the church of the future is that there is valuable in creating nothing. <laughs> yes, and, and that's the difference in kingdom yeah. and fiefdoms and institutions. Yes, and yes. No, we want kingdom. What is kingdom? Well, it's present. It's the Right? It's the presence of God in the midst of all this stuff that we're doing. There's still value in the justice movement, the poverty movement, the anti-this, the anti There's value. And those things are broken humanity things, and they should be addressed. But they aren't the thing. 
I, I, and Christians just have the, they all just have their thing now. Yes. Yes. Well, and that's why I love um, Paul's declaration of the church in Corinth when he says, I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him yes. crucified. And I'm with, in weakness and trembling. And, you know, there's this something about that. And I also love, um, and this, this really is for me what's digging into your, your question of, like, what do I want people to do? Like, the scriptures always give, uh, regularly give the illustration of water and river. And I, I've been stuck in um, Ezekiel 47. Which is the other obvious one. Yes. John 14, 15. <laughs> yeah. And then Ezekiel 47. Yes. You guys are, this is so obvious. It is. <laughs> but I think, I think, um, dude, that's all like, You're being... <laughs> or like Paris Ezekiel God, 47. Right? You're going to say something. But yeah, on. for me, like just the idea, like I, I want to figure out ways to just push people in that river, you know, like mm-hmm. the river that sl- flows from the temple that brings life everywhere mm-hmm. you know and i think that's what i want for our city that's yes. that's what we pray for you know i want the river to flow through this city and gives life to all the different kinds of churches there's different little ecosystems and there's different little um churches and businesses that are happening um in a way that honors god and i want that to continue and flourish and, and grow and so when i Again, this all comes back to like what I've kind of said a lot. I want people to spend a buttload of time. Can I say that? You already did. With God. I did. Get that in editing on the West Coast. But (laughs) I want people to spend a ton of time with God um, because that's he's the temple he that's where the that's the source the life comes from. Yeah. And I, I think I just want people to spend time there. Um, and, and, and so when I, when, when, when I, if somebody says, what does that mean? I think just the, the rhythm, spend more time in prayer, reading your Bible, these kind of conversations with, uh, your friends, get a mentor, get somebody to disciple you, ask, ask your pastor to walk alongside you intentionally for a year, um, be super practical about these kinds of things. And I, I think if, if, Everyone who was listening to this at Vista did that. You know, I think that um, that would transform the city. Right. Mm-hmm. One of our elders has this. He, he's this has been something he's had in his tool belt forever. This be before do. It's got a little cool like little. Yoda. It's kind of, yeah, and he writes it like B B four D O. So B before do, and it's that. It's like we have to be something. We all just want to do something, and there's and this is what I think our world has turned into is a conglomeration of causes. Mm -hmm. There's like a million of them, and like three of them are important. But that is what it means to be a Christian: is to be involved in that political agenda or that justice cause or that. And it's like they are important. I get it. I feel like I feel like dirt whenever I start talking because I, I can sort of send the message. That doesn't matter, but it's like okay, I, it does. But not at the expense of abiding with Christ and one another in our differences. Somehow that has to be important. Mm-hmm. It's also not all that exciting. I would say, too, that, that that's the resource that fuels the cause. Your cause goes further, faster, better, deeper, if you're going to the resource, which is God. 
He cares about justice more than anyone in this city. He cares about the police more than anyone in this city. He cares about Casey Goodson in this city more than anyone else. God cares about those things. And if we're not going to him for the resource, Mm. the fueling, then we're just being cause people. Here's the difference in what I think what you're saying is what what happens is one person goes to the source. Mm. And they rally a whole bunch of people that aren't going to the source Mm -hmm. with them to solve the thing. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're saying is the same as every Christian needs to be going to the source. That's what's different about a cause of a group of people of which only the leader is sourced by God as opposed to a mass of people that are all sourced by God. Now they're going into every crevice of life to, to uh, bring justice to that cause rather than, than joining in a mechanistic way of trying to solve that. It's like, no, no, no. You can only solve it if you're attached to the source. If Jesus is the lifeblood of your life, is that cause, the true ones, mm-hmm. going to be solved and this is what I think has been uncomfortable for me as I uncover the church, including myself, are not sourced by Christ. We're all committed to a mechanism of solving the problem. And so it's no wonder why we don't then incarnate that yes. source right. where things change. Yeah, I uh, absolutely hate cutting this off, but we're about out of time. But I, I do want to leave you with a story as an encouragement to each of you because... You have a place in this story. Um, Because of the conversation, because of leadership and pastoring, because of um, this this desire for people to come before the presence of the Lord and say yes, Um, something to do with the the position I'm in, I've had the privilege of seeing the, the truth of God's orchestration of things, that sometimes we get a glimpse of it, oftentimes we don't but a conversation that led to another conversation with Pastor Brown in the Near East Side, which led to an organizational partnership, you know, and, and we have to use our own limited subdivisions to even describe it, this urban-suburban relationship and, and the moving of resources. And meanwhile, the people of God not wearing a T-shirt, not carrying a brand, said yes to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and, and moved tangible resources and goods from, from this place to this place, which directly relationally impacted a family, allows them to stay in their home through the winter. And, and only by virtue of being in a position to see how God orchestrated, because it wasn't by my design or your design, we were saying yes to God in our respective spaces, not knowing how God was using it, and yet it's directly transforming the lives of people and they're receiving the gospel even if they don't quite know it yet if i were to say what i want to see more and more of is that mm-hmm. it, it is all the credit goes to god in those stories and i just want to tell you each of you continue to participate in those stories whether you realize it or not Amen. so um thank you so much for being here 
Looking forward to having you again, yeah. Mike. Thanks for being my lead pastor. I really appreciate that. Um, I'll never quite admit how much you've discipled me. It's my own pride. But uh, thanks again. Another if you don't tell me, I'll never know. <laughs> Conversations in the round. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you the next time. And Mike, let me pass it to you real quick. Oh, I, I don't have much to add to that other than thank you, Nick. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Driving the train here, Chris. Um, I think part of the reason it's such a good conversation is because I know you guys. Um, and I can feel the heart behind what you're saying. I'm instructed and discipled every time we talk. My prayer is that some of that wisdom and some of that experience is coming through. Uh, and you're able to take some practical, tangible steps away from this. I think for today, it would be this. Get to know Jesus more. Mm-hmm. Open your scriptures. Open John 15. Open Ezekiel if you dare. <laughs> and get to know the God that loves you. Be fueled by him. Be deepened by him. Uh, be identified as one that is his before anything else in this world. Allow him to embody you to incarnate you into this world Uh, trust him trust the spirit to lead you and to guide you is what we're saying be vulnerable with a few people in your life um, that you can allow a free conversation an accepting conversation a challenging conversation um, be before you do